0: lorenzo and this is the pop style opinion fest hello kittens welcome back to another edition of the pso i am the t in your t lo tom fitzgerald and i'm here with the low in your t lorenzo marquez my lovely husband hello
1: how are you lovely husband I'm wonderful and very happy that i uh purchased this week i put it on uh instagram something that i've been wanting for a long time which is one of oh the, we're
0: launching right into it yeah oh, okay. it's one
1: of the issues of the um that's then i that that way, I can talk about it. No, them. no, That's no. I thought you were going to talk about our new sound equipment. <laughs> no. I really did. No. My God. We have new sound equipment. Yes, we're the And we those of you
0: that. who noticed last week that we had mic issues,
1: we're still working on them. Um, no, but I I think we fixed it this week, well, and I think it's good. I don't great. know. Anyway, but. So I, I've been, you know, I set up like Google Alerts and everything because I wanted to get this issue of the Saturday, uh, what is it, Evening Post magazine, um, which because I like vintage stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with vintage stuff, 40s, 50s. I'm obsessed with it. So I wanted this cover. I wanted this magazine. So finally it showed up and, you know a price that I could afford. May I interject in the yes. manner
0: that you said I always do before you turned on the mic? <laughs> anyway. He's like, you'll interject, because you always do. I want to just... You, you missed, I was going to Yeah then. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> you know, very married. We're having. We're doing our married telepathy now where we're not finishing sentences. Anyway, he's talking about uh, collecting Saturday evening post covers featuring the artwork of J.C. Lyendecker, who Correct. we wrote about in our book and who, who we positioned in our book, in our telling as the father of modern gay erotic artwork, right? But it, he was an illustrator in the Rockwell mode for Saturday Evening Post, and two of his most famous homoerotic covers is his 1926 um, Thanksgiving cover, right? With two sweaty a sweaty pilgrim and a sweaty football player on it. Twenty eight. A 28, mm-hmm. and you're right, and I don't know what the other one... Twenty four. 1924, the lifeguard photo, um, and they're just these very beautiful uh-huh. 1920s sort of art deco inspired artwork, uh, but homoerotic in the manner of as far as you could take it on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post. Right, right, right. So anyway, I've set the stage. No, no, but... The, the, Lorenzo the, has the, spent the, the, most of the last year hunting down actual yeah. copies of these two, which are his favorites.
1: Right. Go, Lorenzo. And then I finally found... I mean, it was easier to find, to find the uh, Thanksgiving one, but the uh, lifeguard one was, was nowhere to be found. So because fa- every homosexual exactly. bought Exactly. It. it was hysterical because, like, it you know was on eBay, and I'm, like, fighting with all these queens to get the cover. <laughs> anyway, so I finally got the cover. Um I've been a huge fan of his work, uh, and I resent thing that Rockwell moved. Now Rockwell copied him, anyway. So, but he was this amazing illustrator uh, who was gay, and um, he used his uh, boyfriend or partner as as. The mo- yeah. Like the main model all the time. And he's done a lot. I don't want to talk too much about him, but he pretty much created the way men looked at the time, uh, with all the advertising.
0: Yes. He defined the male beauty ideal. Yes.
1: Yes. The, the way they dressed, the way they looked, the hair, everything. So it, it was a huge influence. Uh, and he did this incredible, uh, illustrations. And I wanted these two very, very, very much. So we got them. I'm, we, we're going to frame them. And then I posted them on Instagram. You can see them. Um, but we're going to frame them. So I was very excited about that. And it was funny. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because there is on Netflix right now a documentary about the uh, Nodler, which is the gallery in New York, a uh, scandal about fake art. Um, and it's a very good documentary about how you buy art, the whole uh, art dealer, you know, uh, thing going on, how, mm-hmm. how powerful they are and, you know, looking for millionaires to buy art. And, uh, and the documenter focused on the scandal with this particular uh, gallery, um, Nodler in New York, very famous one, um, and and Friedman, who was the manager and art dealer. And um, apparently they showed <laughs> 60 paintings, 60, it's like six zero paintings of of uh, art by Rothko uh, Pollock, and uh, Motherwell and all these people, <laughs> incredible famous people. And then... And it was all fake. And uh, people spent close to $80 million on these paintings. Wow. And they were all fake. So it's a very interesting documentary because it's very interesting to hear Ann Friedman talk about it because she talks like it's like, oh, it's very interesting. Her take is very interesting. And, and they did a good job interviewing a bunch of people. And her take is like, oh, I made a mistake. I thought they were real. Uh, <laughs> which is very funny when you spent not so funny when you spend millions of dollars on something, you know, you trust her and you, and you spend all this money. Anyway, it's a very interesting documentary about establishing uh, provenance, which is um, establishing. It's a very it explain how you, you, you uh, establish that something is real and not fake create, you know, going back to the origin of the uh, painting and the painter and all the history and all the journey, you know, like all the countries, the painting was, and it, just the whole history of the painting to establish if it's fake or not. And um, so the whole thing was fascinating to me. Uh, I don't want to get it because if you don't know anything about it, I really don't want to spoil it uh, because it, some very interesting stuff happened and how they find out who was painting all the, the stuff instead of the, you know, those major uh, painters. But what I find fascinating about the documentary is that I don't, I don't know because I buy vintage stuff. It's, you know, I'm not buying Rothko's, obviously, but I I have a sense of what's vintage and what's not, in a way. And it's fascinating to see her defending all these paintings. Like, I don't know how you can defend them. Like, how on earth would like 60 paintings show up all of a sudden? You know, of all these famous people. Like, there's no way. I mean, a- as the documentary talks about, um, these people are so famous that you pretty much establish what they've done so far. That finding one painting that nobody knows about. It's, it's a miracle. It's, it's like amazing. It's fantastic. You can't even think about it. like, it's, it's kind of like finding a new Van Gogh, you know uh, it's I mean because it's already established how many paintings he did or what, what's out there. Um, so finding one is incredible, but finding 60 paintings of a certain era, right. <laughs> it's just crazy. Anyway. So what's the name of the documentary? The document is called made you look a true story about fake art. Um, on Netflix. On Netflix. How many episodes? It, I forget how many. Oh, no, I think it's one, one. Oh, it's one documentary. Yeah, yeah. B- believe it or not. Because, because Netflix.
0: It, I mean, don't get me started. He hears me complain about this all the time. I'm not really into these documentary series that right. are on stream, and Netflix specializes in them. Where we, we
1: talk about this. It's yeah.
0: a story that could have been told in like a feature length documentary that is stretched out to like eight hours, and they insert all these. Uh, cliffhanger endings or these shocking twists and they they, these these shocking twists are only them withholding information that they already know until they're ready to and it just gets on my nerves that's not documentary that's getting into narrative and it blurs the line and i'm my take is
1: my take is that if, (laughs) if you like the subject matter a lot then you kind of like that it, they're stretching it that that they're that you have so many appetites yeah, I still don't. to watch so that's my take um and it's funny because uh, i watch another screener uh it's called murder among the mormons uh which is pretty much the same thing it's about this collector um of rare documents in 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 salt lake city that he's murdered and um and it's this whole story about vintage uh, rare letters and and documents and it's about all that have to do with the foundation of the Mormonism uh, of Mormonism of the church and all that so it, it's it's fascinating because again it goes back to the same theme here which is vintage are finding stuff and determining if these things are real or fake or a forgery uh, so it, it's 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 fascinating to me because it is really an interesting subject uh, because going back to the made, made you look documentary. They interviewed so many people. They, the, I mean, it's not like Ann Friedman decided that this woman walked in and said, I have all these paintings. that like, sure I'm going to buy them. Um, and I'll sell them. Uh, no, she, uh, contacted a ton of experts to establish if the paintings were real or not. And most of these very, very famous, uh, uh, uh experts all said, yes, they're, they're real. Wow. So, which is fascinating to me. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting that how do you establish that something is actually real? Uh, and what if it's not, and then you spend all this money on it, and or it's been, it's in a gallery, or it's in a museum, and you don't really know it, if it's fake or not. Um, anyway, uh, because I inter like I said, because I'm interested in vintage stuff, and old stuff, and I buy old stuff in a way, vintage stuff, however you want to describe it um it's fascinating to me to establish uh and i like to but for example i've, I've bought a ton of um physique model uh photographs from the 40s and 50s um and i actually went online and i read a, a lot about it uh to kind of like get an idea so that i could in a way establish when i go on ebay or any other place if they're real or not you know based on the on the stamp on the back or mm. you know the i read this I went to the site where they talk about photography and, and how, and the history of photography and how you can determine based on, on the, the color of the paper, the texture and everything. If it, if it's a picture, if, if, if it, uh, photograph is real or not, not real, if it's, you know, from the time. Um, so I, th- I thought the whole thing was fascinating. Um, the, do- both documentaries, right. The Murder Among the Mormons, uh, will be out March 3rd, but the major look about the gallery is already out on Netflix. So I recommend him. Those recommendations. Yes, yes, yes. know. Yes.
0: I have no counterpoint to that. I don't really have any recommendations right now. But, well, we'll check
1: back soon. Well, you've been watching Division. Like, you get up, like, in the middle of the night just to... <laughs> yeah, but I don't really want no, to No, no, we already I talked about it. Yeah. We're going
0: to do a wrap-up on WandaVision when it... A written review when it wraps up next week. <laughs> but I was happy Pardon to, to um, read
1: today that... Uh, because I was like, "Who's watching this show?" And apparently, a lot of people are watching.
0: Yeah, you were saying that last I week, know. and I was like, oh, "Honey, it's a runaway hit." I don't, don't know, but
1: that. they're they're saying that the numbers are higher than Bridgerton in a way. So I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Hmm.
0: What we want to talk about this week, um, not that we didn't want to talk about that. I'm glad that you mm-hmm. got a chance to give your <laughs> recommendations. Um, you add a little bit of culture to this to this, you know. This little dog and pony show that we do. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we wanted to talk about because people have actually been asking, and I know that's a thing that podcasters and bloggers (laughs) tend to, oh, since you've all been asking what I'm wearing, you know, but actually people have been asking. We we, do
1: have receipts
0: (laughs) of uh, our thoughts on the HBO Max, um, and I think, was it on the BBC?
1: It was on the BBC. No, no, no. Channel 4.
0: Channel 4, that's right. It was on Channel Uh 4 in the UK series, It's a Sin which is a five part series um looking at the AIDS crisis devastating the queer community in the 1980s in this case it's it's um the british queer community which um I okay let's yeah let's go right let's get right into it uh I didn't rush to go see this we could have had screeners and I didn't rush towards those screeners and I wasn't really rushing toward the idea of doing a review of this uh, series, even though um, we wrote extensively about the AIDS crisis and uh, and a lot of the, what the series actually covers in terms of the reaction of parents uh, and the reactions of um, caregivers, all of that was covered in in a, a chapter in our book. And I spent right. I spent months and months and months of 2019. Um, in research and watching documentaries and films of the period. So um, I wasn't in a rush to, to talk or write about this because I just saw like the screener or whatever for it. And I was like, well, this story has been told and mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to find anything new in this. I don't know if it's even worth it to tell this story. Uh, not that I don't think the story of the AIDS crisis and and isn't important anymore. I just one glance at it's a sin. And I was like, well, I, th- I think this ground has been covered. Right. Tragic, you know, young men dying of age. Right. In front I feel the you. same
1: way. When we got the email, uh, we got the email with the first uh, two episodes and, and uh, a chance to be part of a, uh, uh a conversation with the creator and everything. That's how they do now because of, of, of the pandemic. You do it right. online. Uh, now I regret not being part of that conversation because, you know, we watched it and we we're going to talk about it. But, um, and again, yes, a lot of people uh, asked us on Instagram and email and every everywhere asking, are you guys covering it? And at first I was like, I, re- I don't know if we're going to do this. Um, I don't know. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Because people were asking, well, I just true wanna, story here. Because people were asking us a lot about it, I was like, let me just give it a shot.
0: Yeah, I just want to reiterate. There were a couple of reasons why I didn't want to watch it. That uh-huh. was the number one was like I didn't really think this could be anything new. And number two, um, the the creator is Russell T Davies, and I had nothing against him. He he um, did the original UK Queer as Folk. Mm-hmm. He uh, revitalized Doctor Who and brought it into his glory years in the 21st century, a lot of people would say. Uh, and he did last year's uh, series Years and Years. And actually, that was the number one reason. I was like, yeah, I'm familiar enough with his work to know that he when he wants to go dark, he will go really dark. Yes, yes. And it's... He has no problem serving you up something that is very difficult to watch. And this was true in Queer as Folk. It was true in Doctor Who. Um, so I was like, yeah, I he's a good, I like his work. But I didn't really want to see this. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to sit through with this tragic exploration of right, the AIDS right. crisis.
1: I think, I think because we watch Pose, and that was... A lot to take
0: that was also a big reason
1: right yeah. so i was like i don't know if i can watch another one about aids um but i do like his work i loved uh a very english scandal uh, like two episode or three episode series loved it um and 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 queer as folk i remember us being like mesmerized by it uh, at the time right uh running to the uh video store <laughs> yes to, to get more episodes remember <laughs> uh it was yes a, yes we we got like the first ep- i don't know first first four or whatever and we loved it so much that i, I remember running back to the video store to get more episodes yeah. it was an amazing thing uh queer as folk was amazing um so oh and he did, uh, one that i like very much nobody talks a, a, a lot about it but it's Cucumber, which is also created... Banana man. and Cucumber. Banana and, and Cucumber. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Um, so anyway, years and years, I agree. Uh, it was a little... It, it was a lot. Because it wasn't just a lot about being gay. It was also about other issues. So it was just a lot to take. But anyway, I do like his work. Uh, and I have to say, the first two minutes of the first episode, I was just in love with the show already. Uh and that's I love that. When 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 you good when you're that good, uh that as a director, as a creator, that you 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 create a momentum right from the get go. Like his conversation when he's faced facing the camera and talking about sitting at the table with with the family. That was just so wonderful. And then he's just I just was in love with the show right from the get go.
0: I was not um although uh, this will not be a Point counterpoint review. We first off, we have to say, if you haven't seen it's a sin, right, and you are planning on seeing it, uh, this whole conversation will be filled with spoilers because we wanted to have an in-depth conversation about our emotion, a lot, uh, largely about our emotional reaction to this series. Because we did had to both. I mean, I had a headache from crying. I had a serious headache from right. crying. Um, so come back later, and also uh, to um, unpack what may have been some problematic or, uh, or right aspects, or parts that we might not agree with. So this will be filled with spoilers. Um, I but it it will not be a point counterpoint thing. I have some criticisms of the series, mm-hmm. but it did win me over. It took a while to win me over. Mm-hmm. The stuff that you were weeping over in the first episode. It really got to me. Don't get me wrong. As a person of the, of, we are younger than the men depicted in the story. Yes. Um. Uh. In, when the AIDS crisis hit, uh, in we were in high school, we were not, and we were not out. I was not part of the gay community until I was in my late twenties. I came out rather late. Right.
1: I lived in a small town, so it wasn't. Yeah. Like-
0: so this did not reflect our exact experiences and about. I don't know, 15 months or so ago, November, I think it was, of 2019 or December, um, I wrote a editorial for the Philadelphia Inquirer, because I they asked me to, for World AIDS Day, um, uh, talking about my experiences growing up as a gay man uh, in an AIDS world, so to speak. And I made it very clear in that editorial, and I just want to make it clear here, that for most of my life, and even now, I, I will admit that when it comes to talking about AIDS and the gay community and the 1980s and 1990s, I always feel that I have to start by saying up front, I wasn't, I don't have much ownership of this. I, even though I am of an age, I um, really wasn't uh, part of the gay community and out until just before. Um, I came in in the early 90s, basically, so it was still, AIDS was still a big deal back then, don't get me wrong, Um, but those years and years of uh, fear and devastation of the 1980s, like, Lord, it it had mellowed by the time I came out. So a lot of the stuff that was in years and years was not a direct reflection of my life, but a lot of it reflected my feelings. You mean it's a sin? Did I, what did I say? Years and years. I'm sorry, it's a sin. Mm -hmm. I am talking about it's a sin. Uh, Thank you. Um, like for instance in the very opening scene uh, the character Richie is shown um, realizing that his, he's going away to college and his mother's talking about cleaning out his bedroom while he's gone and he panics because all of his gay porn is in there and uh, it was all gay porn magazines because it's 1981 and then he ran to go hide and stash those magazines and I actually had a pause because I was like oh Jesus this is my like that is I'm mm-hmm. I, you know I'm not going to tell you my life story here but yeah. In the early 80s, when I was a teenager, I had a bunch of gay porn magazines stashed under a floorboard in our house.
1: Right. I I, re- I have a even a funnier story. I had a boyfriend at the time, and I, he used to write me letters. And I used to carry the letters with me the whole time in my backpack. because I Oh, was, my God. I, I lived was, in fear that it I would was, be found. Yes. I, I'm not kidding. Those letters would be with me the entire time because I was always afraid my parents would, would yeah. find them.
0: Um. So I had to pause right there. So I want to say that... um emotionally it pushed a lot of buttons, but I, I don't want you to get the uh, impression that I was burying a lot of my friends through the 80s because I really wasn't. I was removed from it. And part of that editorial I wrote was because it took me years to realize that my removal from that experience was a result of AIDS because I was living in so much fear as a, you know, a, I, I was a teenager when like Rock Hudson died or whatever. And I was gay and... um So it, like a lot of men, uh, Gen X men, gay men, it really hindered my development and it hindered my coming out. Um, And I lived in fear of that. Someday I would love an AIDS story that tells that story. Not of the, not to take anything away from stories like these, where it's about the bodies piling up and the caregivers weeping in the hallways of the hospitals and everything like that. Those stories have to be told, but they have been told. And uh, It's a Sin does not does not cover any new ground whatsoever um but it does it very very well right all right i'll stop no, and, and um there go.
1: and i feel the same way uh i i lived in a small town so all my friends were fine as long as i know um as far as i know i mean uh and um uh, um later on when i moved to a big city it was when the when i met someone uh uh who actually uh had AIDS. So it right. was my first encounter ever. Right. So when I hear these stories uh later now in my life, when I read all these people saying, you know, half of my friends die or or a lot of people that I knew died, uh so I didn't have those experiences. Uh but I know it was out there. I didn't have a, the experience of, of a lot of people dying, but I did have the experience of, of hearing about a lot of people of dying. Of hearing a lot of, yeah. about a lot of people die, And also the um shame and the discrimination uh, going on right. because right. just the fact that you were gay, people were like, "Oh, he had AIDS. Don't, don't, don't get near him. Yeah, uh, don't touch him or whatever." I I had a friend. I told you this. I had one of my best friends who was very skinny. Uh, he just happens to be thin. Uh, and people, we would walk on the street, and people, and, and every now and then, people would say, "Oh, oh, you have AIDS. Stay away from me or whatever," right. just because he was thin um, and gay and gay. So a lot of that. And 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 I yeah. mean,
0: yeah. Uh, the editorial that I wrote, I told talked about working in a um, law firm at the time and shooting a video in the law firm um, for the holiday Christmas party, they asked me to do it. And I was going through footage and and apparently someone picked up the video camera and was fooling around, co-workers of mine were fooling around with it and I found this footage and someone said, whose camera is that? And they said, oh, it's Tom. And the guy said, oh, you better wash your hands when you're done with it. And then everyone in the room laughed. Uh, and this was like the late eighties cause this is what it was, you know, this mm-hmm. is what gay people were looked at as diseased jokes. Um, so, uh, to go back to my point, no, I was not in the thick of all of that, but I was still, it took me many years to realize I was still victimized by it as a gay man because it, I lived in a world where people thought I was diseased and it hindered my development in a huge right. way.
1: My experience is also that by the time I realized what was going on, I mean, they had medications already and so on i can only imagine because i didn't experience that because i was too young um the beginning of it like like and i and i yeah and and if you can't imagine this i'm not comparing but think about COVID in the beginning when people didn't know what it was right 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 and who was going to get it um and um you know, and how to treat it and people are dying and, and there's no medication yet.
0: It was scarier though. It AIDS was, was much scarier. I'm
1: not comparing, but I'm just, if you're not a gay person from that time or, or, you know, I'm just giving you an example here of something that you can sort of like see what went through, uh, what, what people went through at the time. And, um, and, and combined with that, the fact that, you know, it was pretty much just gay people at the time, or at least yes, it was seen and, that way.
0: And AIDS was, um, uh, and, and, it's a sin does a fairly decent job of touching on this. But AIDS was in its early years before anyone knew how to treat it or what it was, it was a visible disease, right. You, that's why yeah, your yeah. friend your skinny friend was talked about that way. Right, right. I was um, you know, fourteen years old maybe, and living here in Philadelphia, and I knew where the gay neighborhood was. It was very clear where that was. And I would find myself down there. and I was too scared to I mean, I was very young. But I would see men. I would see men with lesions. I would see men that were mm-hmm. clearly right. 60 or 70 pounds underweight walking the street. I would see men that looked in the face like they were 80 years old, but were probably only about 30. Uh, so imagine being a teenager, realizing you're gay in the middle mm-hmm. of the Reagan 80s when being gay was horrible, right. and seeing what looked like your future. Right. Um, so It's a Sin was actually... I mean, let's get into it. Uh, it's a sin. Was criticized by a lot of AIDS activists, um, right? Because in their in some of their view, if there's this charge that it uh, it deals in a lot of old stereotypes about AIDS dramas Mm -hmm. and there is some truth to that in the sense that there's the one AIDS victim who's so innocent and didn't even have a boyfriend and how could this person get AIDS and then there are the other AIDS victims which are they're all huge sluts and party girls and, um, as we all know, and this was the image back then of right. how you depicted, yes. AIDS victims, and it was the image well through the nineties of how AIDS victims were depicted, tragic figures who were either slutty messes or naive you know children who got swept up in a culture uh so and it's a sin does dabble in both of those uh um uh tropes so to speak and i won't even defend that i think it could have had more i will say well we are going to talk about spoilers i will say it did something interesting in that it depicted the ignorance of gay people yes. in the early days of the disease Ignorance
1: and, and misinformation there's
0: uh, well i just want to say neil patrick harris's character yes uh, just so fucking tragic and I don't know that I've ever seen it depicted that way where both he and his husband they were a middle aged gay couple it was like 1981 Um, they both die and neither one of them even knew what they were like Neil Patrick Harris was completely delusional he was talking about it and saying that his husband's death had nothing to do with his own—it's just a quirk. Of, and it's just like, right. oh my god, people died from this, and they literally had no idea why they were dying for right. a lo- for years, actually. And
1: the thing is that what I loved about watching the show is that you know, there's we we have a I mean, we have a very good sense of what happened here in the United States uh, during the AIDS crisis, but AIDS crisis. But I had no idea. How people perceive that or or experience that in England, for example, or in Britain, yeah. uh, in Great Britain. So it was interesting, you know, uh, in UK everywhere. Uh, there, uh, a, a different place where where things happen, and you can, you know, the characters talk about like, oh, it's just in New York, it's just it's just in the United yeah, States. Yeah, my
0: I told you that I was like, oh, holy! Sh-. I had a pause. That was another point where I had a pause where one character. Um, wouldn't sleep with guys from London. Well, first I said don't sleep with don't sleep with Americans, and then right. later it was don't sleep with guys from London, London. Yeah. Now I was coming of age in Philadelphia, which has always been New York City's ugly, you know, younger sister. We're <laughs> um, actually her older sister, but we won't get into that. Um, and I I do I I hadn't thought of this in twenty some odd years, but I remember when, when I first came out in the early nineties, it was commonly thought don't sleep. But if you're in Philadelphia, don't sleep with guys from New York. They're, right, the, right. they're the AIDS guys. Right. That's what I mean about the ignorance. And, and I think, um, some of the criticisms leveled against this, um, are coming from sort of an American point of view in terms of what you're supposed to, like you're supposed to relate and the characters are supposed to be, you know, uplifting, you know, they're not supposed to be right. Russell T Davies comes from a British television tradition yes. that elevates flawed characters he loves flawed characters, and he's not. He doesn't come from that American tradition of holding your hand as a viewer and saying, "Okay, now this character is wrong in what they're <laughs> saying." He doesn't do that. It's true. It's very so. Uh, there is a lot of stuff in there where you just cringe because you're like, "Oh Jesus, no!" Like characters are literally wrong in what they're saying right. about AIDS, about how it's transmitted, and and whatever. But um, that was largely part of the point of it. And it was the one thing that actually saved it for me because um, otherwise it would have just been a maudlin AIDS drama that really plucked my heartstrings. And don't get me wrong, I freaking sobbed through this thing. It was... Partially because it was pushing buttons of... I remember friends. I remember yes, songs. Yeah, yes. I remember parties, just like the parties on that. I remember outfits, hairstyle You know what I mean? So, right. as a,
1: as a gay person, it's very hard not to watch the, the the whole thing and 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 relate so much to your own life. Right. You know what's going on. Um, like from the beginning, as you said, the magazine, hiding magazines, and all that type of stuff. Um, and I loved it. I mean, the editing is is. I thought it was good. And I just want to make a few points here because I read some interviews with him and uh, the the creator of the show that um, it was very hard. It's very interesting because it's 2021 and people are still afraid of talking about AIDS. So. Yeah. Uh, so He said it was very hard to convince any network any any company to uh produce the show to you know create the show um that he fought very hard bbc uh turning down all these networks you know turned it down finally channel four decided to do it but uh he he's and i think maybe if he had more time uh he uh, things would have been explained or or or
0: it did have a slightly rushed feel yes because my point is it covers 10 whole years
1: yes he said that originally he wanted eight episodes but the network said no we're only doing four and then he begged for a fifth episode um and you can see excuse me you can see that sometimes things are rushed Mm -hmm. uh that you wish that he had spent more time you know uh talking about that particular issue right. but things are 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 rushed because he only had 5 episodes and i think it, that has a lot to do with the editing too how things had to be rushed in a way um but the criticism about uh two types of uh of of aids patient you know that's pretty much what yeah. uh, a lot of critics uh, uh, complain about it. and i can see that um you know the naive one and then the uh, slutty slutty one, uh, slutty one. Uh, there's no middle ground uh in terms you of know, people of, got it guys got it from their boyfriends yeah, you know what i mean right, right. guys or, got or it just going out for i don't know yeah it, it that's it,
0: you didn't have to be a slut to get aids or or
1: or naive or naive you know, i mean
0: there were all different types i guess and that is um it's not going to be a show uh interested in showing you the full breadth of gay right. or queer existence I do, it was very much uh, and let me just say this like a lot of aids dramas uh, it's very much scene queen oriented. Like these queens were all on the scene. They were all, um, the one guy worked in a very popular bar and they had right. very popular parties. The uh, One of them was in the theater. Like there's a certain type of queen who just has a very active social life. Right. And uh, so, and like most AIDS dramas, they tends to focus on those queens who were going to bars, going to clubs, right. going to parties and, and having threesomes and everything like that. Um, and you can come away from these and let's face it, those things are more interesting to, to depict on screen than some guy who's monogamously dating and picks right, it up from, right, right, you know, right. a second date. Uh, I understand that, but it does give you a very skewed and it does play into this old, old, old stereotypes that, uh, you know, the gay community is just a par- slutty party right. community. I
1: think it's 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 hard to do it uh, to depict the time, how people reacted at the time and at the same time have a, I don't know, a... Uh, 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 a current twist or right, right presentation, right. you know, like present something now, uh, but at the same time be faithful to how people reacted at the time. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, um, but you did say when we talked about it that, uh, it's the creator's job not to take a uh, uh, aside, right? No, I, I, I never said that. Oh, you didn't say no, that? no. I, I, oh, oh,
0: I would never say that. I anyway. mean, it's not a news report. Uh, I think I, I think I know what conversation you're referring to, which I was planning on. I can bring it in now. Um, I did want to talk about why we got so emotional. I do and want to talk what, about that, but too. I'll talk. I'll jump ahead to this, which is about the criticisms. Um, while it's true that uh, Russell T Davies was, I think, quite deliberate in making sure that his characters were not perfect and said uh, it occasionally ignorant things. Uh, There is a difference between um, a creator letting their characters be ignorant and a creator whose overall view in how he directs something is giving a certain perspective. And I will say that when you get to the end of the story, there is a big explosive scene with uh, this girl who has been in... in the, she's basically the star of the story, actually. The heterosexual girl who is a caregiver to all her friends it's who based, start dry, yeah, dying. It's based on his best friend. I know. It's
1: a real story. She the, did that. The
0: woman who played her mother is actually the yeah, one yeah, who yeah. we based her on. Right. So she has this explosive scene with the mother of her friend who just died. And she basically tears into her and says... That it's your fault all these boys are dying. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not quite doing the scene justice. But um, first, I'll say I think this falls under the sort of umbrella of Russell T Davies having his characters be flawed. I don't necessarily think you're supposed to walk away from that scene thinking, yes, you're right. It is, AIDS is completely the fault of homophobic mothers because that is a ridiculously simplistic point of view, and I don't think the show is necessarily taking that point of view. On the other hand, in all five episodes, there is this pervasive theme of who is to blame Mm -hmm. for AIDS. And the characters have long conversations about who is to blame for AIDS. And at some point, you can... And the characters, late in the story, a character even says, there's no point in looking. It could have been anybody, or there's no point in looking, blah, blah, blah. But... I keep going back to the scene where you find out the sweet, lovable, naive guy. And people were having discussions about how could this guy have AIDS? Like, he didn't even have a boyfriend. And then they show a flashback. And it's this whole flashback scene that shows how he got it and who the guy was that gave it to him. And it's shot like... The guy is made to look like such a criminal. It's shot like a rape scene, but it's not. I don't think it's supposed to look like one. Um, and it's just like, all right, well, you as a director, as a filmmaker, decided to make this choice to show us who was at fault for giving the naive character. And I'm like, well, yeah, that tends to play in. And then when you wrap it up with this big scene, this cathartic scene, believe me, I wanted that mother told off, too. Um... And that character, that girl, Jill, I feel like she had earned the right through all those episodes, ten years of yes, watching her. Yes, yes. It's like, yes, she deserves the right to have her say, to yell at somebody. Um, but it it was to me, it did sour it a little bit. I was like, Oh, we're back at blame again. So now it's closeted guys who spread AIDS and homophobic. Mo- I mean, we can have a talk about how part of the AIDS crisis came down to how so much of the AIDS crisis came down to homophobia um, from how it was handled by the government, any government, including England or America, um, how it was handled by the medical community to how it was handled by the gay community. And I think it's a sin is trying to cover all of this at once. Um, so it, it tends to deal in some rather broad stereotypes. Right.
1: I I I do th- I agree with that. And I think he mentions um that he had more episodes. Like I said, um, he wanted more episodes and, and the fact that he wanted the story to go a few years later with more episodes, but it didn't happen. Because... I would have liked to have seen yes. it go
0: up to about 96 or yeah, so. That's that was which his is plan. When the protease inhibitors came out.
1: Right. That, that was his plan to expand a little more. But, um, you know, he, he even jokes now saying, well, now the network must be regretting <laughs> making that decision because the show was like number one in England and it was yeah. everywhere in Europe.
0: And there was opportunity there that, um, when we, you, get to the end of the series um, I did, this sounds like a horribly ghoulish thing to say, but I did feel like, you know, for a series that covered 10 years of the worst of the AIDS crisis, uh, covering the same group of people there were not enough deaths there were only, I think, three significant deaths over a 10 year period three or four um, and I know for a fact Mm -hmm. that um, men of that generation and their caregivers, those sainted women, who we also wrote about in our book, um, buried hundreds. Right. Uh, Uh, And I think we're going to get into the emotional stuff now. Um, um, It's very, very good. There were times where I was pulled out of it where I was like, Jesus Christ, these were kids. These were kids in their 20s going to funerals and planning wills and and watching all their friends die off. Of course it was happening to everybody, but uh, it was devastating the young because they were sexually active and in a social scene. And there are certain scenes where I had to stop and, and compose myself. I'm starting to get a little choked up. It's not so much that I experienced it. Although I did peripherally, I didn't, I did know people who died. Um, when I came into the gay community in the early 90s, I r- distinctly remember how fucking devastated that community was to come out to a community that was that traumatized. Right. And this is going to play into the later what we're going to get into after we're done talking about um, It's a Sin. But I want young queer folks to remember, I don't mean to excuse anything, but when you get frustrated with Gen X or Baby Boomer, especially the men... Uh, gay men, um, please understand how fucking traumatized that whole generation was. Right, two generations were to to see this play out at the height of your right. sexual, I, you know, energy or whatever.
1: I think here. I think the show does a phenomenal job, uh, presenting certain things that I remember experiencing. Mm -hmm. Uh, first of all, the whole thing of being young and, uh, meeting friends who are just like you and, and finding yourself the
0: joy of the joy
1: of finding people who are just like you. I'm going to say gay because at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. that was the term used.
0: Yeah. There are no trans people or anything in this. It's purely gay men.
1: I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience, uh, going out with friends and i remember lying to my parents saying we were going somewhere else you know but we actually went to discos and places like that um just finding people in the same situation that i was and i'm very very lucky that i wasn't kicked out of my home like some of the characters um which is another layer that i uh, thank god i didn't experience but a lot of people did so right from the beginning all these things all these scenes are just like playing in my head things that I experienced or mm. my friends experienced. Um, so th- I think the, 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 the show that's a very good job about shaming people with AIDS, uh, that's, that happened a lot at my time.
0: Um Gay people shamed each other. Yes, like, that's what yeah. I'm saying.
1: Yes, and that Shame is still in the yeah. community. And people some are part. afraid to to say they had it, or people afraid. To, the whole thing about getting tested. My God, that that whole. I thing. can't
0: watch any testing scene because Jesus, I, yeah. I am triggered by that shit. Like
1: like being called and and all Waiting that. Waiting for your name. Waiting <sighs> for your name. That type of stuff, and um, so that. You 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 know you experienced that. So it, the the show does a very good job showing all that stuff, showing how people were t- completely misinformed and didn't know anything about it in the right, beginning, and, right. and trying all these home uh, medicine. All the, the
0: people saying over and over again, "Cancer's not infectious," and I remember that. I yes, remember that. Yes, yes. All Why all are our, only uh, gay men getting cancer? You can't catch cancer.
1: Uh, and uh,
0: and the lesions.
1: And I think the show does <laughs> a very good job with the families too, because um, you know when you moved out of your parents' house and, and, and you were together living with friends, I experienced the same thing. I had an apartment with friends. Um, and then if you go through something like this, you don't want to tell your parents. Uh, no. And then when they find out, they, they, they're they enraged. They're, they're angry because they didn't know about it. Right. Um, I think the show does a very good job about all that. And also, I think the main... I, I, I call her the main character because Lydia West, I think she's phenomenal. Jill, who, who plays Jill. Who Jackson. plays Jill, her. Her, I think actor, of her is the main character. She though. is phenomenal, um, and she um, she does such a wonderful job presenting something that people don't talk a lot, don't talk about a lot, but we do in our book, which is women helping gay men. Yes. Uh, how so many women? Uh, when
0: it came time to compile yeah. the book and who we were going to write about in the book, and I I was so adamant about this to you. When I'm not that you fought me on it, um, but I remember saying, "We're you cannot tell the story right. of queer history and queer culture without telling this, without including the allies. We would not right. have right. survived right. without our allies, um, and they were allies at a time when being an ally was just as brave as being out as a gay person. Yes. you were putting yourself in line, and you were coming from a place of privilege." To be an ally to people who uh, were outcasts,
1: and they devoted a lot of time, uh-huh. uh, you know, taking care of of, of patients, uh, seeing people, and helping. Uh, uh, so she does. She represents all these voices. Uh, uh, she 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 does a very good job. She does. Um, so all these things are great. The I just when wanna, she
0: cries, you cry.
1: Uh, she is amazing. She's really really great. Um, kind of like a more lighter note i love the soundtrack i think the, i think the way he plays the soundtrack he uses the soundtrack i think is great because it's not like you know sometimes you he see, doesn't
0: use all the songs you yeah, think oh my he's God, gonna use not
1: only that Usually when you watch show First about off, the 80s.
0: I didn't hear It's a Sin, did you?
1: No, no. Uh, but when you watch shows about the 80s or whatever, right. you know, most of the time the, the music is so loud in your ear. You right, right, make right. sure the music is there. Right. Uh, but he doesn't do that. I mean, he, he rarely plays the whole song or just a little bit of, of, of a song and songs that you you don't even think about. Uh, you you know you don't associate immediately with the time and um there's one scene that they played um what is it uh classics uh, uh hook on class uh, hooked on classics uh which is an amazing uh compilation artifact yeah a compilation of of classic music with sort of like a disco uh twist it
0: was a huge hit at the time it was a I haven't huge... thought thir- I haven't thought of it in at least thirty five years the
1: funny thing is because I play the violin and 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 the harpsichord and so on um that meant to me a lot at the time i was obsessed with it i would play it all the time and and for some bizarre reason i completely forgot about it so i was yeah. not not expecting it. so i'm watching the episode and all of a sudden they, they start playing hooked on classic and i burst out crying like i was sobbing because
0: yeah. certain things just oh take you back Oh god yeah and certain parts of that world or that life um yeah, are traumatic. Are, right. There are certain parts that are traumatic to bring yourself back. And certain parts that are just painful. Right, right. Um, But yes, I don't know that I have more to say about this. I want to uh, encourage people to watch it, yes. especially, especially, especially if you're not well-versed in the actual, what it was like to go right, through right, the AIDS right. epidemic and what it did to the community. I think um, it's a shame he didn't get to do more because I think he probably would have done a very good job but this uh, i have taking this further but it's a sin does lay the groundwork of explaining i think a lot about uh the the gay community of right, that period right, right. and it can explain a lot about what what uh, where we are today like and we actually made this point in our book. Um, it's you know, you cannot make these facile sort of uh, one to one compare. like this caused this in history because it's all way more complicated than that. A million factors are always involved in every single thing that happens. However, in a broad sense, we as a the the gay community, and I'm specifically saying gay and not queer, the gay community came out of the AIDS crisis with two hardcore goals. In mind, Um, marriage rights, uh, marriage slash adoption rights, and the right to serve in the military. Um, In other words, we ran towards um, conventional and conservative paradigms in order to rescue ourselves from devastation. Right. Uh, And I think all of that is completely understandable and uh, I have benefited from that work. I would never claim that it was a mistake that we focused on those things. But when you see so much, um, especially from TERFs or gay men of a certain age, you see so much resistance to extending... um, the equality umbrella to other people under you know other LGBTQ people, people who are not just cis het gay men or cis het gay right, women. Right. I mean, uh, it was, this is a part of where that right. fear comes from. It, it, it was this a, was a devastated generation. Yes, I was going to say, that, and they yeah. are so afraid of being wiped out. They are so triggered by the idea of being, and this includes lesbian women. uh, Because a lot of our caregivers, the only people who would take care of gay men at that time were lesbian women, um, and occasionally straight women. I'm not excusing TERFs, and we're going to get into something in a second, but I do think if you don't know the his- your history about uh, gay people in the AIDS crisis, this would be a good place to start. It really would.
1: I I agree, and you would you you will be able to see so much. Like I'll give you an. I mean, we were so devastated by what happened that that's when. Um, just to give you an example, like uh, that's when gay men started like going to the gym and pumping up and looking the, looking yeah, like yeah, yeah. looking like bodybuilders because they really wanted to forget that image of of dying right, right, right. Uh, of of looking like like a corpse. Um, so that's when the whole bodybuilding looking amazing big, big i mean it was always
0: there with gay men but it exploded, it post exploded. 1990 right. a lot
1: so. of other things yeah a lot of things were done uh to sort of like not be associated with that time right. um and uh, my recommendation and someone actually said that on on twitter when i mentioned the show is to to watch one episode and take a break and then come back and watch the second it's only five episodes so you can take breaks uh and they're I, not even an hour long. Because I don't know. I'm I mean, I mean you do it however you feel like you 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 want to do it, but I was a mess after every episode. I had a, I
0: I was a mess after the 3rd, 4th and 5th episode. So
1: I had to take some break. Yeah. <laughs> every now and then. But anyway, we I I would say I I highly recommend it. Uh I do. It's flawed, yes. Um yes, it is flawed. Um, but it gives you so much uh and and it it I think it's great if you somehow experience some of that and it's, I think it's amazing and, and very good for someone who has no idea um, of what happened because I, I remember watching Pose uh, and when they get to the part of AIDS, I remember going on, on Twitter and all these young people, they didn't know much about it. Um, they knew it happened, but they didn't know a lot. Right, uh, And I think it is informative. I think it's, it's always good. To me, being formed is always great.
0: I agree. Um, I want to talk now, this is just going to be a short brief, but I felt like this, it ties into who we are, it ties into what we believe in most, and it's it sort of um, comes out of this conversation that we just had. Uh, There was a Gallup poll that was released this week and it caused quite a stir because um, the basic gist of it was that more Americans are identifying as um, LGBTQ than at any other time in American history. Um, I believe that the number now is 5.6% are coming out as LGBTQ. And... um, one of the, uh, there was blowback to this, of course, because uh, it was all based on Gen Z and they're reporting um, themselves as queer at numbers never seen before in history. And uh, what was alarming to some gay commenters and writers and turf commenters mm-hmm. and writers was the high number of teens or Gen Z um, members who are identifying as queer but not gay. And what that means is they're identifying as bi or non-binary or trans. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the largest number. More than any other number, that was the highest number. It was was just, And this has been going on for a long time. We talked about this again in our book. We talked right. about it when we were on our book tour. Was that young people are more broadly queer in a way that we, older generations, sometimes struggle with. Because, um my generation and I would argue that millennials over a certain age, probably over 30 um, to come out was to make a very declarative statement about who you are. And it was a very painful thing to do. And you were doing it in, in the face of opposition, whether that declaration was I'm trans or I'm a woman or I'm gay or I'm a lesbian or I'm bisexual. um, It was about identifying Mm -hmm. who you are and declaring it. But um, we are moving, and this this movement has been happening for our two decades now. We are moving towards a definition of queerness that doesn't require you to state exactly who you are. Right. You can just identify as queer. This is, again, very, very difficult for people, uh, gay people of a certain, even queer people, even like trans people of a certain age might have issues with, um, this lack of declaration, this this adoption of a queer identity without any declaration of who or what you are. Um, there's also a bit, a lot of the blowback for this poll, when this poll came out, was that um, these numbers are high among people who are very young and don't have life experience, and they're just cycling through, say, personalities, right. or whatever, personas, or whatever, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the percentage of people who identified as bisexual but had never been in an opposite-sex relationship or in a same-sex relationship—had never been in the same-sex relationship—called right. themselves bisexual, it was some astronomical number. Um, in other words, they were living straight lives but and never partaking in any sort of queer activity or whatever— but identifying as queer. And a lot of these people were like, oh, they're going to, you know, graduate college and get married like everybody. And I'm, you know, there is truth to that. Uh, We have all, all gay people have been in college with people who identified as bisexual and wound up coming out as gay. Right. Right. Or identified as bisexual and got married to someone of the opposite sex. Right. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean they were or weren't bisexual. Um, But, the idea that young people don't um, experiment with the idea of queer identity is, you know, you're being naive if you don't. Young people have been experimenting with queer identity going back to, like, the days of the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the 1970s. And then later getting married and living entirely straight lives and not identifying as
1: queer. Right, right. I think it's more open now because <coughs> I remember when I was young, uh, my my girlfriend, my girlfriend, yes, my, yeah, my best friend, my girlfriend, um, she had a, a, a boyfriend. And then the boyfriend somehow ended up with my gay friend. Um, and at the time we were like, whoa, you know, but it right. was but he was kind of like, okay. And then he went back to her and, you know, whatever, experimented a little. But my point is that it, it, it's it been there uh, for a long time.
0: But we haven't had opportunity right. to right. allow people to identify themselves right. this way right. Right. without fear of blowback. And bisexual people, in, I mean they have had it really hard they re- it took me many many years to realize right uh, that bisexual erasure is really a thing that um the gay community in particular is very very bad about accepting they are. we pick are. a hole yes, yes. pick a team you know I've heard that
1: my whole adult yeah, life yeah or they you know bisexuality is just a, I mean it's even, a phase even sex in the city says. well that. they were so bad about yeah I know stuff. I remember <laughs> sex in the city had a line it like it's it's a stopover to uh gay, gay town yeah gay town or something like that so that yeah. was the prevalent prevailing image of
0: bisexuality right. and uh, I mean and I can't even get into how um, little we understand as a culture about, for instance, non-binary identity. Um, I, anyway, my point being, uh, we, again, we touched uh, some of this. I keep mentioning the book in case you don't know. <laughs> it's Legendary Children, the First Decade of RuPaul's Drag Race in the Last Century of Queer Life. Voted by NPR as one of the best books of 2020. Get it now. Um, but, uh, some of this we talked about on our book tour at various stops and I never really got a chance to fully develop my presentation on this idea because these things develop over time if you go on these
1: tours. I know, thanks COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you
0: COVID. But um we talked a little bit about, you know, in in the past uh and you don't hear about these identities as much as you used to. Um in the past you would talk about butch lesbians, bull dykes we would call them and flaming men Mm-hmm. which were highly effeminate gay right, men. Right, right, right. And it's not that these men don't, I mean, believe me, bull still exist and flaming, and I'm using that term in a, if you want me to say, you know, butch lesbians, I hope I didn't offend anyone uh, by the use of that term. It's a familiar term, but in every sense of the word, a family term. But butch lesbians and flaming gay men, of course, still exist. Uh, and... I'm not questioning their cishet status, but I think a lot of, uh, I mean, their uh, cis status. I think a lot, in the past, a lot of people that we thought were butch lesbians were probably trans men, and a lot of people we thought were flaming queer men uh, were probably trans women, or, in both of their cases, could have been non-binary. People didn't have the option, and we had, when in writing our book, when we were talking about people from... The 1920s or the 1940s, you would look at their lives, Gladys Bentley being number example number one, where you're like, well, I'm pretty sure Gladys Bentley was a man and didn't get the opportunity to tell the world right. that Gladys Bentley right. was a man. Um, but when you're writing that person's history, you don't have the right to declare to their identity decision. for yeah it. yeah, right, yeah right. I can't say that yeah. Gladys Bentley was a trans man, but I would be remiss in writing about her from a modern perspective to not point out that in 1920 when she was alive, um, she never would have had the opportunity to live as a trans man. So she did have some opportunity to live her life as a butch lesbian woman, even even though there were just as many limitations put on her. Um, so. Non-binary identity, trans identities, bisexual identities have always been uh, part of the LGBTQ umbrella. And what gay people are having a hard time with and lesbians are having a hard time with is the idea that you are not the primary face of the queer community anymore. You're not even the biggest group in the queer community. Like, bisexuals are the biggest group in the LGBTQ community. And for some that really sticks in their craw because a, a lot of gay people will see bisexuals as people who have the opportunity to live without. Right. Fine. You can marry, you know, someone of the opposite sex and live a perfectly. I think it has, I mean, but to that's be honest, obviously I, not the way to look at it.
1: I think to be honest is, is that idea that, uh, that feeling that, you know, I went through so much and, and then you kind of resent that people yes. don't have to yeah. suffer as much as you did. But, I think that's the whole point
0: uh, is that... And it's a generational story yeah, yeah. and... Uh, so many different movements and groups have had to go from feminists to African Americans have had to go through this this generational story where people who lived under tremendous hardship have to watch generations behind them make advances that right. were never available. I'll, n- I'll
1: never them. forget the uh, uh, drag race episode with RuPaul and Aquaria when when Aquaria wasn't right. performing well and then RuPaul was trying to like just just dig into your own emotions of of suffering, being gay, and all that, and Aquaria just looking at her like um i've always been accepted (laughs) so yeah that's a clear example of 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 how people have different experiences and if you're
0: growing up in a world where you're going to feel accepted then you're also going to feel that you can say hey i'm bi and not have to prove it not have to live it um and i'm not defending the sort of shitty responses from turfs and um middle-aged gay men out there this week to this news. I'm not defending it at all.
1: But it's expected in a way. um,
0: But like I said, uh, bear in mind that they are um, at a very young age, when they were as young as Gen Z and young millennials are now, uh, they were dealing with the genocide of their community. Um, And they fought harder than we did to, um, survive and to establish their right to live their lives freely. So everything about their life, everything about their identity was so hard fought that it's, they just can't, they, I mean, it's up to, I am a middle-aged gay man and I did make this journey over the last 10 years. So I'm not saying you can't expect them to change. Um, but I'm just letting you know, if you are a young queer person, that is where they're coming from. It's not correct that they're coming from that point, but maybe that right. will help you in your dealings with older gay people to, to understand. Now I can't, I, I I'm not going to defend turfs because especially since they come in with some of the worst, most horrifying rhetoric around trans people right. about them being perverts and rapists and criminals, that it's almost impossible for to me to even defend them. Yeah. It's like that. I'm not I'm not defending anybody here but that is so far out like right. they're just so goofy I can't. Um anyway, um all I want to say is as a middle-aged gay who's been through some shit, I welcome all of my queer, <laughs> undefined yes. nieces and nephews coming into the community. Come sit under the rainbow with us. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care what kind of culture you create. You are not beholden to uphold anything from my life or any other any other you do it yourself
1: I think ideally it's to be informed no matter what generation you're from
0: it's nice to know your history
1: nice to know your history and be happy that the suffering is less (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, in America. In America, yeah, yes. No, no. Oh, my either. God, yes. I mean, if you go to places like Africa and others. Did you see those guys arrested in Mexico on the yes, beach? Yes, yes. I, I mean, was like, it's Mexico? No happening. Really? It's happening. Well, that's why I get annoyed when people go, people go on, on social media and say, well, what's the... do we still care about people coming out? That yeah. makes me... <laughs> Make my blood Oh, my God. I get so angry with that type of response on social media because you have no idea, buddy. Yeah, you Um, have no idea. You have no idea. So, um, yeah, things are still really bad out there. I'm not saying they're they're all amazing. Uh, But we have seen a change, and I think we should be happy with the change, uh, no matter how much suffering you went through, but, you know, it's nice to see other people not having to go through what you went through. I think that's Uh, fine
0: line. Agreed. Absolutely. This has been your little walk through queer history. Yes. From your two elderly queer podcasters. Oh, my God. Shut
1: up. <laughs> no. No,
0: we're manly. We're very manly oh, and youthful. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be thank you once again for listening yes, to our Cartoon Voices. We'll so. be back yes. next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. <laughs>